Hi, welcome to Bros Watch Pretty Little Liars. Or watch, uh, oh, man, you just totally fucked it up. <laughs> I let you do it one time. and mm. uh, One more time. Yeah. Hi, welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. This is Benjamin Light. This is Marco Sparks. And today we're talking about S3E18 of Pretty Little Liars. Dead to me. Dead to me. The Dark Spencer saga continues. I'm not sure if that's really the best terminology for what Spencer's going through right now. What would you describe it as? I guess I would say, and without giving anything away, that perhaps that could better be applied to something else that happens in the show. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what I would call this, though. The reason I chose that, obviously... Uh, she got, she is wearing have... an X-Men jacket in this episode, so True. it fits. You have the play on the Dark Phoenix saga. You have mm-hmm. that. But you also... You could definitely describe that pretty much everything... Spencer gets herself up to in the second half of this season is escalating series of darkness. Well, I, I was mean, just I was just reading the television without pity recap for this episode, and uh-huh. at one point the guy Jacob Clifton's talking about how in the writers' room they should have just like wiped off the whiteboard and wrote like season three B Spencer just goes fucking nuts. Okay, <laughs> but I mean it's just it's just deeper and deeper into new shades of like darkness you know mm-hmm. like that's that's why i think it's a fitting term um i think it's more insanity than darkness but all out but i think some of it is very calculated on her part she oh knows, yeah yeah she knows what she's doing she knows the path that she's going down and i to me like the fact that she's making certain choices knowing that they could ruin her isn't necessarily like like a sense of insanity it's it's in in your corner spencer does do something monumentally fucked up at the end of this episode that we'll get to i mean like uh, aria is really more giving us the field reports on like insanity like day to day just being bonkers nuts spencer is just choosing choosing the darkness yeah anyway so let's get into this yeah dead to me intro we're at the brew uh nice blocking here as all the liars are there and we're looking like kind of like into their little nook as Emily and Hannah are sitting on two sides of the couch with Arya in the middle. Of course. Um, even the body language, like Emily has her legs crossed towards Arya from one side and Hannah's doing the same from the other kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Arya in the middle is, has them crossed like, you know, right down the middle pretty much. And then off to one side is Spencer in a chair where you just see her back and she's facing the rest of them like very much apart from the group. Yeah, it's it's such a beautiful like image that just kind of non-verbally tells you everything you need to know about this episode in so many ways. Um, the other girls, it starts off they look exhausted, but really they're exhausted because they're hearing Arya go on well, and on how, about Ezra. I mean, how often does Arya really get to hold court like this? I mean, they're, they made the mistake of asking her about Fitz and she's just like, she's heard nothing from him other than uh, an I got here text. And Hannah's like, well, that counts. If you want it to. You know, this conversation just started with them being like, hey, Arya, how are you? And she is just like, like let me Ezra. tell you about Ezra. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arya's worried that something will happen hundreds of miles away that could change everything. And Spencer, of course, because she's Spencer now, is just like, you know what? My coffee's gone cold. You know, like the heart, like her heart and her soul. Well, they just look over and they're like, how are you, Spencer? And we see her face and it, she's going to look much more fucked up and like on basalts later in this episode. But even now... She looks slightly wrecked. Yeah. Well, wrecked, but also just like, this is like getting up and getting a refill. Because even that cup's probably full. 
you know that Spencer is, is choosing to get a refill of that coffee because she does not even pretend to like be a part of this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, she could care less about Ezra yeah, and Arya. Spencer has had it with the, that sort of drama right now. Exactly. She's like, um, oh, boo-hoo, your boyfriend's out of town. The other three liars, you know, once Spencer's gone, talk about Wilden reading Allison's notebook. Emily reminds us there was a picture of Wilden at Cape May, and she's going back to the police station later to get a picture of that picture. So, you know, we get our, our well, recap of where well, we are. Well, I mean, there's an interesting moment from Ari here when they're kind of discussing the whole pregnancy thing, you know, do the cops know this, and Arya kind of jumps in. She's like, all we know is Cece's version of things. She kind of points out that they're just taking this all and what Cece said. Yeah, yeah. Um, so while at the counter getting her a refill or what have you, Spencer gets the text from her private dick, Miles Corwin, her personal skip tracer. Yeah. He has info and wants to meet Spencer. She looks fairly emotionless at this. I mean, I don't know how she's supposed to react to like a yeah. text on her phone, but well, cause she, then, I mean, she doesn't know what the info is. So, right. Right. So just mm-hmm. then Jason walks and he sees her. And then she's just like, Jason. And then like we kind of cut to like Jason standing beside Spencer as he addresses the other three liars on the couch there. Mm-hmm. The uh, Looking in through keeping... the window, of course, in that shot. Yeah. The De Laurentiis family is keeping it quiet, but the police have released Allison's remains to them. And they're going to reinturn those remains, but in a mausoleum this time. <laughs> just which make are it interesting. Places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the family's going to have a private service for that shit, but Jason has arranged for the liars to have time there afterward. Um, after the parents have left. And uh, he's, he lets them in on the fact that the, the things that went into the coffin with Allison are still missing. Mm. And I think it's interesting. He points out the state police think that whoever took that body is keeping mm. them as six souvenirs. Yeah, you find yeah. those things, you find this person. State police might be involved because of Garrett. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, the liars all look very guilty at this. And Spencer is basically like, well, how fun, fuckers. Like, I'm not going to another service with Allie. Yeah. And yeah. the liars are all like, hey, what the hell, Spencer? And she just, like, goes off. She's like, Allie is not a saint. Like, you know, like, what are we, like, interning, like, interning holy bones? Uh, and she says, you guys want to pay a visit to the Crypt Keeper? That's fine. That's your business. But keep me out of it. And, like, takes off. Just imagine this. Hannah has to tell Spencer to dial it back. <laughs> Hannah. Spencer. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, the, Spencer storms off. Jason is just like, whoa, guys. You know, like... And the others are kind of like, well... And so, finally, Arya turns to Jason and is like, we'll be there. Yeah. Uh, so after credits, credits, yeah. Oh my school. god, these the outfits. Oh uh, yeah, we're gonna spend some time here. Yeah. So, do you want to oh, do boy. Hannah first? Oh god, so Hannah, Hannah's outfit is we'll just say is drastically more normal compared to Arya's. She's wearing like a a black skirt, a purple top with like a really ugly jacket over it, and she has a necklace on that looks like it's one of those magic tricks with like the interlocking rings. Yeah, it's a big gold thing. But it's like it's actually like gold coils, like mm-hmm. Tesla coils turned to jewelry. I don't know what the fuck yeah. is going on. And and black boots, of yeah. course. And her hair, she's doing a weird thing with her hair. Like she might have stolen a wig from Game of Thrones. It's like braided on the sides. Like I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's like yeah. there's like braids like tucking underneath like her normal hair, like snakes or something. 
Uh, but all of that you don't even notice because Arya next to her. <laughs> oh man. Um. Okay. Shiny gold jacket. Yep. Like gold, like leather jacket. Yeah. Like as gaudy of and bright of gold as you can imagine. On top of, it looks like she has some sort of like under tank top on. That's like, like a, a pink tank top. Yeah, like a pink or purple under tank top. But then on, on top, top of, of that is like a a very loose white tank top with a big like cat's face printed on the front of it mm. uh, and like kind of minimal coloring so it's just like all white except for like eyes and whiskers and and then of course this one because because Arya's Hannah uh, she also has a big bow tie on the in the right like right below where the cat's face is on the shirt like the bow tie's like around Arya's stomach yeah this is another strong Hannah's Arya Emily's Spencer episode and then she's wearing what looks like peach-colored metallic pants. Well, it's it's like they're pe- tight, form-fitting peach pants with shiny gold, like filigree on them. Yeah. Well, imagine that you took they're your space your, hooker pants. Yeah. Imagine you took your shade of pink leather pants and just wrapped printed cellophane around them. Yeah, they're they're wild. I, I, I can only imagine this is an outfit that makes tons of noise as she walks <laughs> that they had to like take out and post. Um, because they are walking and talking, Sorkin style. Mm-hmm. Um, only Hannah and Arya have received something from inside Allison's casket from A. Um, and Hannah's suggesting that they destroy the items. Mm-hmm. Arya's sh- not so sure. We should probably mention we won't be doing chronological this episode, of course. Um, this episode's kind of a weird one. It's a lot of really short scenes. Um, like rather than like the longer scenes that we sometimes get, it's just like all these quick hitters. Yeah. But yeah, um, Arya, they're talking about like getting rid of the stuff they gotten from the coffin. But Arya doesn't want to. She says every time we react to something like this, it comes back to bite us in the ass. It's as if we're being maneuvered into doing the absolute wrong thing, which is like a total meta statement on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's as though we always do the wrong thing. Remember, A stands for audience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the girls don't want to end up in orange jumpsuits again. Especially Hannah... not Arya, because uh, the whole one size fits all. Yeah. Which, like, like that's your concern, Arya? That's Arya. You're concern. like, the main reason I don't want to end up picking up trash on the side of the road is that that jumpsuit was not flattering to me. Even though she's lying, it totally was. Yeah, it was. Um, she was Hannah... the only one who looked good in the jumpsuit. Hannah wants to keep talking about this. This is a very serious subject to Hannah, you can tell. Mm-hmm. But Arya is straight up like, we'll have to talk about this later. I'm going to Ezra's apartment after school. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's just like, um, wh- why? <laughs> and Arya's like, uh, watering plants or, or other lies. Yeah. And Hannah's just like, and you do that while wearing his shirt? <laughs> and Arya's just like, pipe down, bitch. Yeah, so Arya walks off. Hannah kind of smiles, like pleased of herself that she got that one in, and mm-hmm. then she kind of stops. And we always talk about like the subtle micro gestures on Lucy Hale's face. <laughs> Hannah kind of stops, and for a moment, there like shakes her head, like that bitch is crazy. <laughs> She's like, man, I feel so much better about all the weird things I do about you know in relation to Caleb now. Yeah, and also because I'm not the one who's gonna go roll around in my boyfriend's bed while he's gone. Also, look what I'm wearing. Look what she's wearing. <laughs> Meanwhile, Spencer is Meanwhile in in awesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer's at her locker and Mona finds her. Mona walks up and like I need like Mona is like channeled like like Jackie O's fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like preppy 
perky vengeance. I don't know how would you would describe that Jackie O style, but she's got it a little bit. Her it's hair's adorable. in like a crazy weird bun in the back. I'm just like, it's I don't like even a, know what's going on there, but well, it's, it's hot. Like a weird spiral braid thing happening back there. It's like huge sections of her hair are kind of like swooped over to one side. I don't, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but Spencer looks extremely nonplussed to see Mona, but Mona is as chippy and cheerful as ever. Mm-hmm. And she's basically like, hey, like, here's all the shit for, like, this academic decathlon meet where we're going out of town. There's, like, your hotel and your itinerary and permission slip and everything you need is just in this binder. And practice Cause, questions. Because Mona's that organized, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Spencer just takes it and just shoves it in her locker. Yeah. And then uh, there's this great moment where... Mona, she's like, hey, look, you know, like, kind of like puts a hand on, on Spencer's shoulder and Spencer turns around and just like looks at the hand like wordlessly, you know, yeah. she's just like, like her, her eyes are just like, excuse me, bitch. <laughs> well, she, she looks like half like she's going to explode and half like she is utterly shocked that Mona would even risk this because mm-hmm. Mona's basically walked up to her and said, you and I are going to have a conversation on five different levels. Yeah. And Mona says, as team captain, I have to tell you, you've been off your A-game lately. And Spencer's eyes are just screaming like, wow, you went there. Well played. And Mona actually says, yeah. Like, she's like acknowledging the wonderful pun she just made off your (laughs) A-game. And she's like, I can't let your, you know, slip and slide affect the whole team's big meet, you know, Mm -hmm. biggest competition of the year. And Spencer says, let me make something clear to you, Mona. This is not a game for me at all. And Mona says, good, because I'd hate to see poor Toby travel all that way for you, only to be left cheering for me. Mm. But Mona just says it so sweetly and convincingly, but with just the slightest hint of malice. Yeah. And then she just bounces off, you know, or chip herself. And Spencer, like, Mona got to Spencer here because she slams that locker shut. Like, everyone, like, turns around and looks because it was so loud. Well, like, all the glass broke at Rosewood High that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mona bounces off and, like, Walking on sunshine might as well be playing <laughs> every like footstep. So then we cut to an empty classroom where Caleb is doing some like taxi texting. Um, Hannah comes down the hallway, sees him through the open door, comes inside. Um, I just thought it was interesting that since Caleb's dropped his like shady phone upgrading business, he apparently now like exclusively chills only in like empty classrooms. Yeah, it's Caleb. What does he do all day? I don't know, but he's always <laughs> in empty classrooms. Yeah, um, he also his has an iPhone now. Yeah, his mom's been texting him. His aunt on his dad's side has moved to Australia. They're cleaning out, then going to tear down the aunt's house. Apparently, Caleb lived there when he was little. His mom told him that if he wants to see the place or get anything from him, he should go there now. Mm-hmm. He seems pensive about all this. He Hannah asked Caleb if he's thinking about going, and he's just like, no. Um, he's very snippy. She but tries to talk about it more. Yeah, and Hannah... Like he, Caleb doesn't know yet, but Hannah's about to do some girlfriending on him. Like Caleb's Caleb's gonna get forced to go to that. But I mean, can you tell from the tone of my voice that like this is not a storyline that we care about? Not particularly. Yeah. Um. Although I mean, just the classroom thing. And how many times would a teacher just allow you to hang out in an empty classroom? Yeah. Yeah. They like lock the door. Well, does he have like a schedule of like which teachers are just not in their classroom when? <laughs> He just like broods in there. He's not even sitting down. He's always like leaning against the wall. Yeah, yeah. 
like oh. Mr. So and So, like the like history teacher is gonna come in and be like, Caleb, you need something? <laughs> no. Uh, why are you here? Yeah. It's gonna eat my lunch. <laughs> it's kind of weird if you here. <laughs> You're not even in my class, Caleb. Seriously. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, Ezra's apartment, we get this weird, like, first a close-up on Ezra's, like, you know, English literature master's degree, then a close-up on the keys of his old-timey typewriter. Or also, Ezra also has an old-timey uh, FM, or actually, that might even be an AM, yeah, it's an AM radio. Nice. Uh, like, the wooden kind, like nice. you'd see in, like, the 1940s or something with little dials on it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, then we cut to Ari, who's just laying there on his bed, looking up at the ceiling, and we know... <laughs> That her just laying there makes her look more despondent, right? Mm-hmm. And she's just lying there thinking, I am despondent as can be. Exactly. If only somewhere, someone will hear to witness my despondentness. <laughs> so suddenly, you know, as if she's willed it to the universe, she hears the, the keys, you know, turning in the door lock and she gets super excited. She jumps up, runs over to the door to open the door for the, because the person who's opening the door is apparently mm-hmm. doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. And it's not Ezra, it's Wesley. It's Wesley. She's like, oh, look, it's Ezra's even more pretty boyish little brother. Yeah. Um, Wesley is basically dressed like he's the lead singer of Vampire Weekend. Is that what Vampire Weekend dresses like? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can say about Wesley and the guy who plays Wesley, I don't know if you know the actor's name on top of your head. Uh, Greg Sulkin. Greg Sulkin. I kind of wish he was he was Dave Franco. Well, um, I'm right. It is Greg Sulkin. So Greg, he's, Greg with two G's. Wouldn't all yeah. Gregs be of two Gs or three Gs? Sorry, <laughs> got that three G coverage. Um, yeah, so he's surprised to see her there. Though I don't know why she's well, surprised he, he, to see him. Why would he expect her to be there? Like he's coming over because Ezra told him he could like use this place if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can think you can see Arya like when she hears this, thinking like, "What the fuck, Ezra?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was just going to roll around your scent, and now you're here. Yeah, so um, apparently Wes and Ezra, as Wes and Ezra, Wesra, <laughs> talked on the way to, on Ezra's way up to Delaware. Ezra told Wes that he knows about Maggie because obviously that's where he's going. He was vague about the details, which Arya says it wasn't vague, it was messy. And Wes kind of makes a noise about how he should have taken the bullet, and Arya's like, oh, whatever, he knows, you know. Uh, I think we kind of discussed pre-recording that it's really hard to describe the gauntlet of different facial expressions that Lucy Hale goes through here. And really at best we could only like grasp at the multitude of motives for each of well, them. Because she makes like three different facial expressions every time we cut to her. Yeah. You yeah. know, like we never really know how sincere each one is. Well, the thing about Arya is that she's one half, this mysterious girl of a lyrical name mm-hmm. and one half just Balls of the wall, cuckoo clock crazy. I mean, mm. <laughs> so Wes wonders if Arya has a problem of, you know, Wes staying there for a few nights. And Arya's just like, well, don't you have classes to be in? And he badly lies that, no, he. We're the fum- fumigating the dorms. And Arya's like, sure, that's a thing that happens. Yeah, because the, he lies just about as well as Arya does and just as quickly. So, of course, mm-hmm. she's going to she's gonna be fooled by her own medicine. Um you know, and Arya lies and says it would be a relief to have him there so that she doesn't have to worry about the plants. And as she's, like, gathering up her shit to leave, he looks over and sees, like, her head indentation on the pillow. Yeah, you can see she's, like, was recently lying in bed, most likely, and kind of does some math. And he's just like, hey, if you still wanted to come by and check the plants, that'd be fine. And Arya's like, oh, well, maybe I will. Tee-hee. Well, then he makes a joke that he's not too good at plants. He once killed a cactus, and that he thought that was something you could only... The only way you could do that was with a gun. Hmm. 
which is just weird. And Arya's just basically like, well, if you insist, of course I will. But there's like this, I don't know, it's just strange. There's like this like curious excitement between the two of them that on one level is very much like what it is, but it's, I, I don't know, I feel like you're looking I, for different motives that aren't there. I feel like they're both ridiculous people who are, have like deep fantasy inner lives, you know? Yeah. And so they, they probably think they're both fucking fabulous. Yeah, they certainly do. Um, so meanwhile, in an alleyway. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, in a really dirty alleyway. The only dirty alleyway in Rosewood. Yeah. Spencer's meeting with uh, William Fickner meets Mad Magelson here. Yeah. Meets My- Miles the Skip Tracer. Yeah. Who's listing off Toby's recent goings-ons, which include a, four days ago he bought a sandwich, a tank of gas, and some hydrangeas. And Spencer's like, hydrangeas? And Miles says, $65 worth of hydrangeas. Yeah, he knows this from the credit card statement that Toby's, you know, from Toby's credit card. But uh, three days ago, Toby switched cash, and he'll have to see what happens when Toby needs more money. Uh, yeah. He also traced the key to, basically, like, he traced the key to the manufacturer, and blah, 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 traced him to a series of buildings on the west side of town. If she wants a single address, she's going to need more encouragement. And Spencer kind of, you know, well, the line here is wonderful. She hesitates mm-hmm. and he says, you're yeah. wondering if it's worth it. And she says, no, not it. You. And Mr. Skip Tracer P.I. says, can I give you a piece of professional advice? As he kind of like puts a hand up on the wall, like lean against it. You know, he says, my line of work, people I follow, criminals, low lies, scumbags, all of them. All right, sorry. <laughs> that was a terrible reading. Criminals, lowlife, scumbags, all of them. So n- never once did any of those guys bought hydrangeas before skipping town. You let me know about the key. He walks off, leaving. He walks off into the light, leaving her there in the darkness. A few uh, comments about this guy. Yes. Number one, he's wearing a black jacket over like a cardigan over a t-shirt. Uh, the black jacket's <laughs> collars kind of popped up. Yes. Number two, this guy, this actor, is named Andrew Elvis Miller. He oh. was uh, in the Blue Man Group in the early nineties. He's one of what? The, yes, he's one of the first recruited for the Blue Man Group. I looked this up. I'm not lying. This is amazing. Yeah, I told you I had some amazing shit on this guy. He's got a BFA degree in theater from the University of Illinois. Whoa. Uh, at Urbana-Champaign, he studied at the Royal National Theater of Great Britain's studio acting program. He received Best Actor from the Brooklyn Independent Film Festival. Not, <laughs> I guess he does. He's done That's some. Serious. T- he's done some TV character actor work, but it sounds like he does a lot of theater work. Not exactly a lightweight. Not exactly no. And he's a skip tracer on PLL. Which how awesome is that? I've always wanted to be a skip tracer. On our spinoff, Hastings and Hastings and Hastings and Hastings, he'll definitely mm-hmm. be like. He'll be there. Build. <laughs> He would be, I mean, it's, you never watch Breaking Bad, but the the Mike Herman Trout character eventually turned into something totally different. Uh-huh. But when he started out, he was just like the lawyer's PI. Right. That, that's, he just like did, did shit for the lawyer. You know, uh-huh. that's, that's who he would be. And then at some point later, this guy, what was his name? Andrew Elvis what? Andrew Elvis Miller. Andrew Elvis Miller would later be like a professor at Greenwood Community College. That'd be interesting. Yes, definitely. Um, also, lowlifes. That's a term I wanted to see come back. Low lies, scumbags. Yeah. yeah. All of them. All of them. So, right. meanwhile, at the police station. <laughs> yeah, the, the gist of that scene, in case we uh, talked over it entirely, was that 
Spencer's going to have to decide whether or not she's willing to provide some more encouragement for this dude to find the, the address. Uh, but yeah, we, <laughs> you, you mentioned before that we do find such fucking fascination in these tertiary characters on PLM. Mm-hmm. Cause they're, they always give them something, you know? Yeah. I mean, Let's... the only thing that would have made this character better for me is if Spencer asked him a question, like, what is he doing the, you know, for her money? And he is like, baking a cake! <laughs> exactly. Uh, so at the police station, Emily runs into Pam. Um, her well, cover she's, story... She's back to get a photo of Wilden, but then she runs into Pam. Yeah. Her cover story is that she wanted to see if Pam wants anything for dinner, which of course Pam does, because Pam ate corn nuts for lunch, because apparently there was some confusion for her about what those were. It's not corn, it's not nuts, it's terrible fucking, I'm not even going to call it food. Yeah. Also, the smell of corn nuts, oh my god, like, nothing would drive me to murder faster than smelling that smell. It's a good thing she's in a police station then. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pam goes to get her wallet while Emily bounces over to check that, that picture on the board. Picture's gone, in fact, there's <laughs> just the blank space where it was. I feel like, like, do you think that's Wilden, or is that like an A thing? Well, that's a good question because uh, yeah, Pam decides be- because that, Emily turns around. <laughs> yeah, Pam decides you know she's just gonna clock out because she doesn't have a real job there anyway. I mean, <laughs> who knows what she's doing? They're just gonna go. Police out to, had half a day. Yeah, they're gonna go to dinner, but she finds a postcard with the Eiffel Tower on it in her bag, which Emily instantly recognizes as hers. Snatches it from Pam. Instantly comes up with a lie that she, something that's hers she left on the counter this morning ended up in her bag by accident. Whatever. Pam leaves the clock out. We realize because of the language of the show that, that mm-hmm. this is none of that's true. Yeah. Uh, Emily and flips over the, the postcard, reads it back. Yeah, it's got all this red writing and uh, like writing a red marker on the back, and all the A's are capitalized. Yeah. So it will, oh, but but it's in French. French. Yeah. yeah. Um, that detail's important. Initially, I was going to try to do like a reading of this, but later on. Trambo, uh, sorry, it does a reading, which would be criminal to try to... Yeah, there's there's no way I could even attempt to uh, talk what Troyan does, so... Which is, it's interesting, though, is that before the scene ends, though, Emily focuses in particular on two French words, which are arete and deja, deja, I don't know, I'm not pronouncing mm-hmm. right. The words that actually mean stop and already. <laughs> um, Spencer's bedroom. Emily's walking in, telling Spencer the photo's gone, Wilden must know they're on to him. And then she, like, kind of sees, like, there's a box on Spencer's bed full of, like, looks like a, a couple photos, a photo frame, some clothes. Yeah. Toby shit, obviously. Toby. And Emily's like, is that? And Spencer just cuts her off. She's like, so, what exactly brings you to my office? Like, plops down on her fainting couch. Yeah. She looks like a fucking zombie right now. Yeah. Like, her, like, she's pale. Like, her eyes are all, like, dark and, like, sunken in. Like a like, vampire who hasn't eaten in a few days, yeah. Yeah, like, nobody in this episode until, like, possibly the very end of the episode notices that she looks like total shit. You know? Um, also, Emily is wearing a Joy Division shirt here. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Emily listens to Joy Division? Uh, lesbians do have great taste in music, I've heard. Also, she's got, like, a sleeveless denim jean... I don't know if you can call that a jean jacket, because it's sleeveless, but maybe once it was a jean jacket something that would have been worn and like as by an extra and like West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Emily, you know, she wants to remind Spencer that she's on her side, that she was the first person to hear about the break of Toby. She kept that secret, you know, because of the same person. Um, but I, th- I think it's implied because she says, uh, I didn't tell anybody about the breakup until I knew you're ready. So I think Hannah and Arya know now. Mm-hmm. 
you just like that happened off screen sometime yeah. between the last episode and this one. But eventually, Emily, she can only like appeal to Spencer's hurt for so long. She shows her the postcard. She said that she left that postcard and 24 others in Allison's coffin. That was her contribution. Yeah. Eiffel Tower on the front, French on the back. And so there's a great line here. Um, the bag was, she said it was someone put in Pam's bag this morning. Emily says, Arya thought it was bad getting those earrings back one at a time. A has 25 opportunities to set me up. Mm-hmm. The way it's, she says it was such weariness, though. Like, you know, it's like it's acknowledged amongst them that they probably have yeah. privately discussed Arya's like everything is never bad until it happens to Arya. Meanwhile, <laughs> Emily's down in the trenches with the real shit's pouring down. Emily's got 25 surprises waiting for her. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Spencer, she, you know, Emily ends that sentence with set, set me up. And Spencer says, set us up. Yeah. Uh, and what she say? She says, just because it was your memento doesn't mean it can't be planted on any one of us. Mm-hmm. And Emily kind of is like, well, obviously this is a threatening me to kill me if I go after Wilden. Like maybe Wilden's part of A's entourage. And Spencer's like, that's not what this message says. And. Emily, she translates very poorly. She reads it as like, the police are capable of murder, basically is how she says it. Well, and so Emily's just like, excuse me, Spencer, I did take French. And Spencer's like, excuse me, Emily, you took a semester of yeah, French. for a semester. And then she does an absolutely per- superb job of translating it, which mm-hmm. I'm not even going to attempt. Uh, but the translation is, stop digging. The police already know it's you who's capable of murder. Yeah. And Emily says that sounded much better in French, which is I mean, true. She has a lovely accent. Reminder, Emily totally killed the dude. Yeah. Yeah, you would really think that Troy Belisari was quite possibly French. Like, she reads mm-hmm. it so good. Um, so Spencer's like, you did nothing wrong, R.E., Nate St. Germain, blah, blah, blah. Like, that freak was going to kill you and Paige. And Emily gets up to leave, and she stops at another picture of Toby and Spencer in the box. And Spencer's- It's the same... Same photo that she tore up in the last episode. Spencer's like, oh, I've been mean to throw that out. And Emily kind of looks over at the rocking chair, like the rocking chair Toby made for her. Uh-huh. And Spencer's like, yeah, that too. And Emily says, I don't know what happened with you and Toby. And I know you're not ready to talk about it, but I am here for you. We're all here for you. You yeah. can't just push us away that easily. Yeah. Um. She mentions that Han- uh, Hannah, let's say Hannah. Mm-hmm. Hannah was trying to, because of, trying to help her because of Paige and Shauna. Sorry. Hannah was trying to help her by following Paige and Paige, she saw Paige with Shauna. Um, she found out that Paige was actually trying to help them by figuring out who bought the Queen of Hearts costume and the girl that Paige was talking to, which is Shauna. Shauna, oh, it's going to kill me, was talking, the girl she was talking to worked in the costume shop. And Shauna's a flirt, not a threat. Spencer's looking at her with this, like, half of, like, it's like, it's so weird. It's like half disdain half like intense curiosity of where is this going well and also i think just like a a weariness of like spencer knows where emily's leading with this and it's like oh you naive girl you know we're so we're so far past that a little bit when like you're really really tired Mm -hmm. and somebody's talking to you so you kind of hyper focus on them Mm -hmm. to not like fall asleep or just zone out completely but it's like it seems like you care a lot more than you do I love the, like, the way Troyan delivers a lot of her lines when she's especially crazy is there's, like, this half smile. Like, it's like Spencer's almost amused at how completely fucked up things are right now. You know, like, if she, if she wasn't, if it wasn't happening to her, she could appreciate the irony a little bit more. 
Yeah, yeah. Because um, she's always been the craziest one on the show. Yeah, so... And she started the show crazy. What we're seeing now is just, ooh. <laughs> yeah, Sean was a flirt, not a threat. Uh, they never actually found out who bought the costume. But Emily's point is that sometimes things look bad initially, but sometimes there's another explanation for what's really going on. And Spencer's like, and what if that explanation is even worse? On that, that's with like a half smile as she says it. It's like gallows humor to her, you know? And I feel like off screen, because the scene ends there, Emily's probably like, you just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I have no, I have no comeback for that. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, we cut to the other two liars who are the same person. Mm-hmm. Ari and Hannah in Arya's room. Hannah wants to know what Wes is like, and Arya's like, he's all right. A little bit full of himself, though. And Hannah's just like, really? You guys must have so much in common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hannah asks if he's cute. Arya says yes. Um, he's kind of cute. He's just way too comfortable living off of his trust fund, though. I think it's interesting that I've noticed the past couple episodes whenever this happens, Hannah is sitting on Arya's bed, and Arya's like sitting on a chair across from him. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting how the people come, the guests come and sit on the bed. Also, Hannah's now wearing a sleeveless gray top that's sheer. They're not totally sheer, but at least somewhat sheer. You can see her black bra underneath. Uh, The top also, the collar has metal spikes all over it. Like, I think she might have stolen this from Arya. Beautiful. Um, But, I mean, I'm pretty sure when we were in high school, you could not wear something sheer to school and, like, not get sent home or told to cover up. Right. When you couldn't typically wear things that were half made out of dog collars yeah mm-hmm. um hannah can't stay for girl talk she has to go make caleb dinner and this is kind of sort of how hannah convinced caleb to go out to his aunt's place she, she told him this is his last chance blah 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 um hannah wants before she goes she wants Arya's earrings to destroy along with the ouija board and Arya isn't ready to do that yet mm-hmm and so Hannah's like, okay, but you're making a mistake. And Arya's like, yeah, well, it's my mistake to make. And then she gives her this crazy, passive-aggressive half-smile. <laughs> also, in, in case you're wondering what Arya's wearing, she, she has changed clothes from mm-hmm. earlier. I don't know if it's the same day. It's the same day, right? Maybe it's the next day. I, I feel know. like it's the same day. Yeah. Um, she's now wearing... I don't even know what the hell's going on with her jeans. It's I think I think those are jeans with insane white ink all over them. Mm-hmm. Some sort of weird pattern. Uh, but she has like a cream colored top on with a, a gold skull outline on it and glitter that looks like she made it herself. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck, Arya? I feel like, well. Even for you, Arya, I don't know what's going on there. The, the golden peach outfit, which just imagine that outfit. Like, if somebody was walking to the school hallway and like caught Arya like indirect sunlight, they'd be blind. Yeah. Um, but like, there's an outfit that's coming up that to me is even crazier. But so we then cut to Doctor Sullivan's new office. Remember her therapy Ann? Therapy Ann. Man, you can tell this podcast is going to be like two hours long. Sorry, <laughs> deal with it. Yeah, it's really, it's really, listener, it's really more your problem than our problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Emily's on the couch. Everything in the office is a rental. We find out because Doctor Sullivan wanted to make a fresh start. She's not officially seeing patients yet, but uh, she'll talk to Emily because Emily's here to talk about how she's a killer. Um, Emily is a little bit apprehensive here. She's like kind of finding her footing and expressing herself. She's making like what is effectively small talk at first, which is like, oh, hey, M- Mona's back in school. Yeah. And therapy Anne, much like a psychologist, was is like, did you come here to talk about Mona? I like how she's like, yeah, Mona's, uh, you know, the right therapy and medication are keeping her evil superpowers in check and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, but yeah, so did you come here to talk about Mona? And Emily says, I came here because not talking isn't working. 
And then there's like a dot dot dot, and she's like, "You may have heard I killed a guy." <laughs> the line reading, I like went back over this so many times because she kind of like looks off to one side after she says it, like she's guilty, you know? Yeah, yeah. Doctor Sullivan points out that she heard that Emily and a classmate were attacked by someone, the same person who killed Maya. And Emily is basically, she's tired of everyone, like, sugarcoating it. She's tired of everyone telling her what a hero she is. She wants to talk about how she straight up extinguished a life. Yeah, she says, I killed someone. Someone had a life. Someone was living. Uh, someone was a living, breathing person. And I, and Dr. Sullivan says, you killed someone. Yeah. Intellectually, Emily knows that Nate St. Germain was a bad dude, but... Yada, yada, yada. She can still feel, still feel, feel what it felt like when the knife ran to his body. Yeah. When she closes her eyes, she can still see herself holding the knife. It was in her hand. She can still feel what it felt like. And out of nowhere, therapy is just like, have you ever thought about trying hypnotherapy? <laughs> and Emily correctly is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, uh, I don't need to recover false memories. Like, what is, what she's the like, fuck? She's like, I remember this just fine. Yeah, that's and, that's the problem, is I do remember what happened. Well, so then Dr. Sullivan constructs it that hypnotherapy isn't just about bringing back memories. It's mm-hmm. also about, well, hypnotizing yourself into believing something the way you want it to believe it's, it. It's about reframing memories that are controlling our lives the way we see ourselves. And I, I just love when they bring in Dr. Sullivan and spouts the most absurd, ridiculous, like, psychological bullshit you've ever heard, you know? She scares me, though, because Annabeth, is Annabeth Gish? Annabeth she, Gish, yeah. She delivers all of her lines like she's a goddamn Terminator. Well, this is the lady who gave us the adrenalized uh, hyper-reality. Hyper-reality. Yeah. yeah. And Edward is like, yeah, that's a thing. I keep looking that up in the DSM, but uh, it eludes me so far. Yeah, but Emily's she right to to believe she was omniscient. Yeah. And therefore, she was. It's a frequent thing that can afflict like television show characters. Hey, I, I feel like you're giving Mona short shrift there. True, true. There is no one like Mona ever, mm-hmm. ever. Um, but Emily is ready to start. Yeah. When can we? When can we start your bullshit hypnotherapy to reframe memories? <laughs> I feel like Doctor Sullivan's like writing a paper or something. Yeah. But you know she's writing a book. I'm, I'm yeah. sure there's like five or six people in this town writing a book. Um. About these nut jobs. Cut to Spencer's bedroom at night. Spencer's sitting like on her musical bed. Musical montage. Yeah. Or not really a montage. It's a long shot. Yeah. Yeah. She's going through her box of Toby shit. She finds a different photo of her and Toby together. This is all, you know, pre-Instagram. Well, first she's she's just like in bed, like, you know, brooding. And then she finally gets up, goes and looks at the pictures and like obsesses over them for a while. Looks at like a card that he made for her that's like, I love you, Toby, you know, and she cries and then. Goes, picks up the phone, and calls her skip, personal skip tracer. And she says, how much more encouragement do you need? And he says, $500. Cash. And she says, fine, keep looking. Hangs up, sits in the chair that Toby made for her, and just despairs. Yeah, kind of rocks in it. I mm-hmm. just thought it was interesting that that photo of her and Toby together, the black and white one, where like they're like, touching mm-hmm. foreheads or whatever. Uh, I just happened to be like browsing Troy and Belisario's like, uh, Twitter Mm-hmm. recently where she posts a lot of like, links to her instagram or her and her husband who was ezra's you know college roommate i don't think they're married yet for sure fiance what have you um did a bunch of photo shoots together and it's all very similar photography which i just thought was very interesting very similar poses and stuff well so i don't think either of them could have taken this photo the one where they're like nuzzling noses here yeah can who we assume it? like aria took it i'm sure aria would love to have taken this photo 
I mean, Emily? I mean, who who the fuck else would have taken it? I don't think Emily or Hannah could give a fuck. No. Um, Ari would love to, but then how has it become about her and Ezra? I feel like she just berates them with stories of Ezra the whole time she takes the photos. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Toby starts giving Spencer like a weird back massage, and eventually Ari gets uncomfortable and leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, meanwhile, at the barn slash garage of Caleb's aunt's place, uh, it's 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 a barn slash garage. There's a bunch of old junk like and furniture. Shed, yeah, there's a dude who introduces himself as a what's his name? Jamie Diamond. Jamie Doyle. Doyle, sorry. <laughs> uh, he's Caleb's uncle. We're told he's showing Hannah and Caleb around. There's about a hundred <laughs> years of stuff. Hannah, by the way, is dressed like a farmer. She's got like a plaid shirt uh, and like overalls on for some reason. But- but it's almost criminal how good she looks in this. Oh outfit. yeah, like this is not. This was like 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 frumpy farmer shit. Well, it's other the people. the plaid shirt's unbuttoned. Who knows how far down? You know, because the, oh, the overalls are kind of covering it up. But there's like a big neckline there. Yeah, she looks good though. She looks mm-hmm. cute. Um, there's about a hundred years of stuff of the family bullshit there. Uh, Caleb's just like looking around. Like, oh, well, really it looks like they're caring. just gonna put it all in like trash bags. Like, it's like. We're going to, like, put everything in trash bags for, like, the dump, but, like, maybe you'll see something you want, I guess, is kind of the, the yeah, idea Yeah, but here. I think they have one of those, like, little portable dumpster things that you yeah. out, out back. Um, Caleb's looking around. Jamie's, like, talking. Uh, Hannah's asking him questions. There's a, there's a lot of, it's just, like, Jamie just, like, stares at Caleb, like, meaningfully. Well, you know? what, one of the things that, that drove me nuts about the the creation of this story and i get it i mean it's pretty paint by numbers we we are told that caleb's aunt's name is patty which is meaningless you're never going to meet her whatever. Mm-hmm. um hannah's asking questions about caleb's dad and jamie seems kind of uncomfortable about answering them jamie tries to make conversation with caleb about how patty was surprised to hear from caleb's mom and caleb is short and gruff my issue is that nobody ever brings up caleb's dad's name yeah that's probably crucial um and caleb's being kind of a dick he just kind of wants to bag this shit and get over with it yeah and hannah's like well at least like look at this stuff first and and then she's asking about his uncle asking caleb and he's like "Eh, i remember seeing him a couple times a year he took me to to a few Phillies games and hannah's like that must have been nice and caleb's like he just felt guilty that his brother ran out on me yeah and then hannah looks back at jamie who's like staring at caleb meaningfully i mean can can we just say what it is now because it's so obvious well i want to say that i I, at the end they talked about i guess it was set up with them that caleb's uncle there had never seen caleb before he was five years old presumably Mm -hmm. Um, i don't believe i ever heard that said previously but yeah uncle daddy there Uh, jamie is caleb's uncle father yeah i mean it's it's incredibly obvious i i think hannah knows immediately as well which is why i bring it up um because she's asking all these really pointed questions like so you know like do you talk to caleb's dad much like that kind of stuff like i think she knows right away well the thing about jamie is he lies just about as good as anyone else in this show Mm -hmm. so uh then cut to an atm spencer's getting some cash out for her pi she's not just getting cash out she's wearing her x-men trench coat again (laughs) yes she's wearing like the kitty pride x-men trench coat um it's amazing this one finally returned. I think the last time we saw this was when Arya and Spencer went to meet. Who are you? Uh, I'm the money. Yeah, that that scene. <laughs> Jason walks up to her and he sees this and he's like, looks like a real chunk of change. 
Um, Fuck off, he, Jason. Yeah, he mentions her that the other liars are coming to Allie's new tomb around 7 p.m. the night. And Spencer's like, sounds like a real party. Yeah, and just takes off. And Jason's like, hey, like, what was your, what's your problem? Like, she's your best friend. And Spencer just kind of glares and yeah. starts to get in her car. And Jason says, look, if you got something to say, just say it. And Spencer says, you don't want to have this fight with me, Jason. Not now. I'll win. But it won't feel good for either of us. And then she gets in and tries away. And he's like, hmm. But really, as she's driving away, I wanted Jason to do that thing where he runs into the street and, like, raises one fist and yells, what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> also, what do you mean it won't feel good for either of us? Are you, are you implying that I want to lose in a fight for you? I've spent three years and whoever knows how many, like, actual months being confused by your goddamn cryptic women. Mm-hmm. Also um, being high. Yeah. yeah. For two to possibly eight years. Um... Meanwhile, back at Caleb's aunt's barn. Yeah, back at Uncle Daddy's shed. Uh, they're, Hannah's like stopping Caleb from throwing away a bunch of books, and she's like, you can donate those to the library. Caleb, Hannah, Hannah loves picture books. Yeah, Caleb doesn't give that. a shit. Uh, Jamie's like, hey, if you happen to find Mike Mulligan's steam shovel in there, I'll take it. Yeah. Here's a classic book for you. Yeah. Uh, and then Jamie's just like staring at Caleb some more. And he's Caleb's off in another part of the shed, and Jamie's talking to Hannah, and he says that Caleb's turned into a good-looking young man. And that, like, hangs in the air for, like, five seconds. Yeah. Where you're like, where is this going? I feel like the discerning viewer is very uncomfortable for the next, like, 45 seconds. <laughs> but, like, we're not supposed to be. Like, it's the wrong tone. It's also, like, the, it's like the rape from, like, Game of Thrones with Jamie and Cersei. Like, it's not I meant to know, be a rape. not exactly like that. <laughs> But I, well, then so like he like turns to Hannah and he's just like, "Does he treat you right?" And it's like he's like generally concerned if Caleb's a good guy, which I mean. Well, there's a distracting thing here where the guy who plays Jamie is like Australian, I think, because his oh, accent yeah. slips like a lot. Uh, I don't know. It, I just it's something I notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hannah's like, "Yeah, he treats me right," you know. And they're going back to bagging and uh but then hannah like she kind of like she thinks about it and she walks over to jamie and she's just like you ever hear from caleb's dad and he's like uh nobody does there's nobody who asks he's not sort of man people miss he he does that thing where he just like stares off into space as he talks like he can Mm -hmm. actually see the memories forming in front of him yeah yeah, so Hannah says uh, Caleb never talks about his family much, but then his mom found him, and it, everything changed. And she smiles at that. And Jamie says, "Oh, I'm glad she found him." And Hannah says, "I've never met her. Did you know her?" And Jamie's just like, "Yes, she deserved better. Most people deserve better than they got." Yeah. Hannah says, "So you saw them together, Caleb's mom and dad." And then, like creepy, she's all, "Did they love each other?" And Jamie says, uh, I think so. Um, and so, so why would he leave? Or, I'm sorry. So why would, uh, Caleb's dad leave her then? <laughs> and Jayla's, uh, I said Jaleb, wow. Uh, so Jamie says, uh, he's like, eh, he said he needed some space, or at least I did, you know. Uh, figured he'd come back when, when he could handle being a dad. Thing is, when you walk out, the people you leave, they keep on having a life. They don't have time to wait for you to come back. And is like, you have a lot of thoughts on this matter. <laughs> Smile sadly. Blah, blah, blah. This this whole storyline's boring. It's just, yeah. I mean, you, you have so many other things going on. Um, so meanwhile, Emily's under hypnosis. Emily's <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> My notes just say therapy and hallucination dungeon. Yeah. 
Dr. Sullivan's hypnotizer. Well, the weird thing is we, we come into the scene where Emily's already under. Yeah. Like, she's mid-hypnosis, and Dr. Sullivan's telling her, like, you're in a safe place, no one can harm you. When I tell you to wake up, you will remember everything. You'll tell me what you remember. Which just seems dangerous with the liars, you know? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Sullivan wants Emily to recount what happened that night at the lighthouse. Um, well, because she says, I want you to tell me everything that happened that night. And Emily goes, that night? And Dr. Sullivan says, at the lighthouse. Which I like how they, like, they've had these two that nights on the show. There's the original that night and then the that night at the graveyard. And it, it's been a confusion this entire season, and like it finally pays off in this scene. This A lot of that stuff really has a culmination in this episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything between like 3A, 3B, and like cutting back like to the original, yeah, Allison's disappearance slash death. Yeah, so um, Emily's, Emily is supposed to be recounting the lighthouse, but she was just like triggered with a that night that reminds her of both the time they dug up Allie's body and the original that night. Well, yeah, spoiler. It's a mishmash that Emily yeah. doesn't quite grasp for a while. But yeah, so meanwhile at Ezra's apartment, Wes is actually typing away on Ezra's old timey uh, typewriter. Arya shows up to water the plants, and holy fucking mother of God, what is she wearing? She is dressed like Peg Bundy. Yeah, that's fair. She has like this bluish purplish cheetah print blouse thing. Over with a, like with a belt over it, yeah. yeah, tight, sparkly black pants and a belt around her waist. She, it's not just Peg Bunny though. It's also like a little bit of this is maybe something like Tawny Katain would wear, like in a, <laughs> in a White Snake video. Yeah, um, she also has a like a weird black and silver purse with like a neon green stripe on it. I don't, even, I don't even know if that's going on. Uh, but uh, blah blah blah. Uh, have you heard from Ezra? Well, it's like she's giving West shit. Because she hasn't heard from Ezra. Well, he asks if if she's heard from Ezra. Yeah. And uh, she says no. And he says, well, that doesn't mean Ezra isn't thinking about you. And Arya says, yeah, what does it mean? Like, kind of like snippy. Yeah. So she walks off into the kitchen, which is, you know, six feet away. The landline phone rings. Arya and Wes, they both seem nervous about the ringing phone. I don't think Arya seems nervous. She's just like, hmm. But Wes, like, shit his pants when the phone rings. He looks squirrely as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't want to answer it. She kind of gives him shit for not picking it up. So he suggests it's probably like, what do you say, like a junk call, a telemarketer or something like that. Yeah. Well, he finally answers it and then says hello and like the line just goes dead. Yeah. And yeah. now he looks super scared and he's like, it's the wrong number. By the way, you hungry? Let's get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, she looks like kind of upset and intrigued then like hungry because, oh, food. Yeah, sure. So what is he like a fugitive from justice? You're left to wonder. Does he have like a stomach full of like I, implanted psychedelic evolutionary drugs? I promise you the after him. I promise you the answer is much less interesting than that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so therapy and hallucination dungeon. Doctor Therapy Anne says, "Tell me what do you see, Anderson?" Well, when this when this scene starts, they have it. At the, it's like shot at this like weird angle, just to not the most flattering angle. Yeah. Like, it's like congratulations, directors of this episode. You found an angle that isn't completely flattering to Shay Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, there's well, there's a couple of those, but this is the first one though, where you see both of them at the same time. It's mm-hmm. like they just tilted the camera like 15 degrees to the right, just to show you that everything is warped here. Yeah. Um, so we're... This, she's like narrating her vision, but you know, Therapy Anne is only hearing the words. We're seeing what Emily actually is seeing, and Emily is dressed 
from the original that night. She's got her, uh, her like kind of pink windbreaker on because she's really digging that new Beyonce. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Emily, Maybe what do you much. see? And Emily says, I'm walking. I don't know where I am. It's dark, really dark. And Therapy Ann says, take a look around. Do you see the lighthouse? And Emily's like, somebody just turned on the sprinklers because she's in, she's in a, like, Basically, Allison's backyard. Yeah, Allison's backyard. Although there's also gravestones, like it's all like mishmashed up. Right. Um. Um. Emily, she says, "I see her." And Doctor Sullivan says, "You see Paige?" And then we we see cut to Allison, kind of facing the away in in that yellow top from that night. Um. So obviously, like it, it's weird because like Doctor Sullivan thinks one thing is happening. As Emily narrates, but then the the flashback shows something else. Well, it's it's a it's a really interesting sequence though. So Emily, this had to be hard to edit. Yeah, Emily starts marching towards Allison like like Stone Cold, like Terminator Fugue style, and she says, "She's looking at me. I think she knows she's going to die." <laughs> Creepy. And uh, then Allie turns around and says, "We shouldn't be here. This is bad. We shouldn't be doing this." And Emily, she looks all like hard and stone faced, and and then like. Flashback Emily like kind of looks down, and then present Emily, present day Emily screams, "Oh my God, no! Please no!" And Doctor Sullivan's just like, "Tell me what you see." Mm. And Emily says, "I'd like to wake up now." And she says, "Eventually, I see the murder weapon." Well, That's you're in a says. safe space. Tell me what you see. Yeah, I yeah. see the murder weapon, and then Emily, in the vision or what have you, flashback, looks down and sees that she herself is holding the shovel. The uh, shovel. So. Yeah. And Allie's, Allie's staring at horror. She says, you have to stop. What do you think you're doing? And Allie's kind of like stumbling back and she trips and falls into the kind of boarded off dirt section of the gazebo where they're going to build the gazebo. And Emily like approaches and Allie's like screaming for her to stop. And Emily swings the old shovel right at her head. And then Emily wakes up in the present day, totally freaked out, covered in sweat. And well, like, gets the hell there, out of there. Well, from up there, they, they cut to straight up red. Yeah. Like she literally sees red. It's it's a really fascinating sequence. I mean, it's got like touches of like horror movies for sure. Um, I remember being very intrigued that like if they went in certain avenues with the storytelling, like later on in the show, like you would be able to trace it back to this point. Well, just like so many things have led to this point. If you recall, one of my favorite theories is that Spencer is a killer. Mm-hmm. My other favorite theory is that Emily is Allison's like imagined self. Therefore, Allison's or Spencer. All right, sorry, Spencer is imagined self. Therefore, Emily is recalling the murder as like you know it's it's buried in the furthest reaches of Spencer's psyche, so it comes out in Emily first. Well, I can only tell you that like coming out of the end of season two, for the longest time, I was like just adamant that Doctor Sullivan was a or oh, yeah. somehow part of this, and what what really frustrated that theory for me was that you saw so little of her. But I watched this when I first watched this episode thinking, like, beyond the things that you have with Emily and her imagined with that night and that night and that confusion, the stuff in between that, you know, in television language is Dr. Sullivan programming Emily to do Because we didn't see the start of the scene. And we and didn't we see Dr. Know, Sullivan programming her to think that. And we don't know what could, what could be happening in between seeing Red and Emily waking up. She tells mm-hmm. Emily that she basically threw herself out of hypnosis. We don't know. Yeah, so Therapy Ann says, oh, you were talking about a murder weapon, then you started yelling, and Emily's just like, I'm I'm gone. Freaks out, leaves. And 
Dr. Sullivan just kind of sighs and watches her go. Yeah, she's like not terribly, I don't know, broken up mm-hmm. or shocked or whatever. She's just like, oh, I've had I've had too many like you know Botox injections. I can't yeah. make facial expressions. So back to uh, Uncle Father's shed. They're about ready to go. Caleb's gonna go put some stuff in the car, and it's kind of a very cold over the shoulder. Like, bye, Uncle Jamie. Yeah. You know, and he's bye, Caleb. Uh, and then Hannah say, says to thank Jamie. He wants to go get a hamburger, but she's just like, nah. Caleb wants to get going, and so he like he does this thing where he pulls this little photo out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I found this over there by the dresser. And on the back, it's a photo picture of a baby. And on the back, it says Caleb six months. And it's like, yeah, sure. You found that by an under a dresser. Okay. It's yeah. a yeah picture of baby Caleb being held by a man. You just see the man's mm-hmm. hands. He has a giant ring on his finger. Yeah. And Jamie's like, the way Caleb's feeling, I'm not sure if he'd want it right now. So maybe you could hold on to it for him. And Hannah's like, sure. So Caleb's ready to go. And Jamie says, you make sure he takes good care of her, you. And Hannah's like, yeah, he will. Blah, blah, blah. So meanwhile, Emily comes in her room in a huff. She's on her phone trying to trying to talk to Hannah. She gets Hannah's voicemail. So she hangs up. She's panicking a little bit. She goes to her back. She finds that Eiffel Tower postcard. She stares at it intently, almost as if she's willing herself into a flashback. Flashback to French class, freshman year. Uh, Emily, well, like, like after French class or something. It's, like it's just sure. Emily. And it's Alice it's in the, the French classroom because you know yeah. there's a big Eiffel Tower and a French flag and shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Emily and Allison are the only ones there. Emily's like at the desk writing. Allison's sitting on top of the desk, like laying out all these. She's like tearing out postcards from like a postcard book, mm-hmm. and like laying them almost like she's like doing a tarot reading, like laying them down yeah. on the desk. Yeah. And this is one of those like rare like Allison coming off genuine and vulnerable type of uh, scenes that we don't get very often. Somewhat, somewhat. Um, Emily's like ever the student, you know. Allison should be studying, and she asks Allison if she's planning a trip, you know. And Allison just kind of turns to her and smiles and says, "You and me and Sweet Perry. How does that sound?" Emily sweet says, Perry. "Maybe Sweet Perry. Yeah. yeah, maybe we should learn how to parler français before we go." Yeah, parlez vous français. Um, Ali says, uh, we could start in the south of France, dancing through sunflower fields, lounging around in our bikinis on the French Riviera. You'd look so good on top of the Eiffel Tower, wind in your hair. Yeah. Just like full on, like, sexy imagery. And Emily, Emily's digging it. Ali seems fairly sincere. Doesn't seem like she's being manipulative right now, you know? Not, not terribly. You, you suspect she is, but she doesn't, she isn't coming off that way. So, Emily asks, well, how long are we going to be gone for? And Allison looks right in her eyes and says, how about forever? Well, this is after Emily's come over to look at the postcards, and they kind of both touch one of the postcards, and their hands touch each other, you know, and there's a little, little physical contact, you know. And, and Emily's like, sploosh! Yeah, and so then, yeah, back to present day, Pam comes into the room, and she can see Emily's sad, and so she goes over and tries to put her arm on her shoulder, and Emily kind of pushes her away, and she says, I can't let you do that. Yeah. Do what? Act like I'm innocent. Like I'm still that same sweet little girl I've always been. I'm not. I can't be. And then Pam gives like the uh the motherly assurance here. She says, I am your mother, and that means I see I can see you, all of you, sometimes better than you can see yourself, and there's only good there. Look at me, I promise you, there's only good there. It's uh it's an interesting shade of a couple different things because you have essentially echoed from the Spencer storyline last week. You have 
Emily like really wants to punish herself. Like she feels like she deserves something bad because of the whole Nate thing. Like it's it's really mm-hmm. like she can't push it down anymore. But the thing not really talked about because we'll get more scenes this episode like resolving this whole flashback hypnosis thing um, and the events of that night. But it's almost in a way like I felt like it's unspoken that she's angry at Allison for being pregnant. But also, but it, it ties into her being upset still about the rejection, the very cruel rejection. Yeah, Allison being pregnant would probably impact Emily the most. It's, yeah. it's something that's going to have multiple layers for Allie the, in a way it wouldn't for the other liars. So you could kind of understand why she might be able to, with her own background with Nate, also assign herself like she is this angry. She knows she's gone to this place before she could feel like maybe in a flashback or something or a dream yeah. state she could kill or hurt Allison. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't think about it too much because, you know, Emily and her mom are crying and tearing up and hugging, but, well, uh, good moment. yeah, good, it's a good moment for Pam. I mean, Pam's, she's come a long way from yeah. being, you know, hating her own daughter because she was but gay. Really? Honestly, we have to get that shit out of the way. Cause we cut back to the alleyway where Spencer is back in her X-Men trench coat. Back talking to Miles Corwin. Hastings P.I. on retainer. Yeah. Uh, she hands over the cash for the key. So when when Peter meets with this guy, do they meet in the same alleyway or the same diner? I hope so, yeah. God, I hope so. Or do they go, like, bowling together? Like, are they secret, like, buddies? I don't know. Um, yeah, he hands her the key. He tells her that the, the key goes to a, a unit in a small building in Mayflower Hill or on Mayflower Hill. On, on Mayflower Hill. Hill. Yeah. He asks, I, I like this touch of him. Oh, the he reading's asks, great, yeah. He asks what she thinks is behind that door. What do you think's behind the door, Spencer? And she says, well, I don't, I don't know. And he asks, he's like, okay, what do you hope is behind the door? And Spencer says, uh, we had a secret, him and me. And this will tell me if he kept it. Did you ever play the game with the flowers when you were little? He loves me, he loves me not. Yeah, he loves me, he loves me not. The trick is you just find a flower with an odd number of petals. And the PI immediately is like buttercups, marigolds. And Spencer says, how many petals are on a hydrangea? And he just kind of like thinks about it and like he just shrugs. You know, like it, I don't, I'm not quite sure what he's communicating. It's kind of like a, Wait, what, what, what do you think? What, what, well, first of all, very literally, you yeah. can't answer that question because there's so many different types of hydrangeas. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I they think they all have even numbers, but it's way. like, who but, could, it's kind of a who can say, you but know, I think, you know, Spencer has said that you know, the way she's gotten ahead in life is that she's been smart enough to game the system when mm-hmm. she needed to. And he's basically saying to her, like, I get it. You can't really game the system on this one. So he continues her hypothetical. You open the door, you know. And and Spencer says, I open the door. And if it's full of the things that I think it is, then it means there's hope. It means that he loves me and that I, was, and I wasn't wrong about us. And if not, and the PI says, if not, it's time to let him go. And he walks off. I really wanted him to just be like, hey, why don't you come with me? You're pretty good in a fight, kid. I could use you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it. they did a pretty good job, though, in two episodes of very few scenes of saying that this guy, as somebody who, his reaction with the with the photo and everything at the end of last week, where he kind of laughs like her young love, or like he's mm-hmm. the story so many times. And yet, He's the kind of guy who probably does not give a shit about her story, and yet here he is offering her advice. It's very good advice that I think he knows she will not take, because Spencer could not be more <laughs> no, fatalistic right now. I'll argue and say she does take it, just in possibly the wrong way. 
Because <laughs> she's fatalistic as hell, yeah. Yeah. Will um, she be able to let Toby go? So, meanwhile on Main Street Rosewood. Meanwhile on a completely different television show. Yeah. Arya and Wes, they walk out of Benny and Eddie's Pizzeria. I think this is a new place, right? Yeah, well, I think you've seen it in the background, but you've never... Mm. Yeah, like this is the first time it actually has like a, a sign as if it's a real place. Yeah. Um, he's telling her that Ezra taught him to drive when he was 12. And he said, Ezra said he should learn to do it the right way the first time. <laughs> Whatever that means. Uh, and then somebody's like, Fitzgerald! And like this kind of random, he doesn't look that old. It looks like some dude in his like 30s, early 40s kind of steps out yeah. wearing like a suit and tie and well, he's and like, he says, I've been, I've been looking, looking for you. For you. Yeah. Your mother fixed the board. She can't behind me off. And Wes is like, Mr. Kaplan, front, funny running into you like that. And he's like, let's see that pretty smile if I bounce your face off the curve. Which, like, this guy calls Wes having a p- pretty smile. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's gone from, hey, boy, you have a pretty smile to, like, hey, everyone in this, like, public area who are eating outdoors. I'm yelling like, like public threats at this underage boy. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh Wes just like hits him upside the face with their pizza box and him and Arya run off. He does that thing where he takes her hand and they hold hands as they mm-hmm. run off the yeah. adventures. Yeah. Because yeah. Arya would have just like stayed and watched probably if, if he didn't well, drag so her away. It's just enough to like knock, I guess, Mr. Kaplan, you know, off his balance for a second there. And he looks back and he's like, he doesn't look hurt because it's a pizza box, but he looks like seriously shocked that he just got hit by a pizza <laughs> by this Oxford comma little bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so Arya and Wes run around the corner. Arya stops him. She's like, who was that? And she, he's like, my physics teacher's husband. And Arya's like, what kind of school do you go to? And he just like dra- grabs her arm and drags her away. You know, Wes, if you had had a much cooler line right there, mm-hmm. the next scene would have been you nailing Arya in an alleyway. Or in Fitz's bed. Yeah. Yeah. One of those two. Yeah. Uh, back at Ezra's place, speaking of which, Wes and Arya come inside. Arya wants to know exactly why exactly Wes's physics teacher's husband is attacking him. Which I love. This is not like a like three seconds later. This is like several minutes later. Yeah. Like she waited this long. To have this whole storyline such horseshit. He's like, if you want to blame someone, blame my mother. And Arya's like, oh, I'd love to. But what exactly would I be blaming her for? And he like gets some drinks out of the fridge. And he says, Ezra taught me how to drive, but he never taught me how to get away from my family. Which is just like jerk off motion. Yeah. Well, it's like, first of all, Wes, you're not old enough and seasoned enough and a good enough actor to carry off this monologue. Uh, you're what, like 17? I, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is just some real little bitch bitching. Yeah. Yeah. And Arya's like, I thought you liked your world. And Wes is like, I did too. Uh, and he talks about how he's, he was pissed when his mom... He's pissed at his mom and Ezra when Ezra left, and it took him a while to realize he's mad at Ezra because Ezra didn't take him with him. As he wanted to go, he's not the only one with dreams in his family. Or he's like, you have dreams? Go on. But if he was going to get free, he'd have to do it on his own. Like, really? Like, what are your dreams? And and how is being ridiculously wealthy an impediment to your dreams, Wes? I'd like to know that. Well, I think this is the kind of thing that you look back years later. You're going to, like, probably a fairly prestigious prep school. And whatever your dreams are, you're thinking that step one to achieving them is to get your ass thrown out of prep school. Yeah, that was his. That was his step one: is get thrown out of prep school. So basically, every every rule or he broke. He, so every he, he acted like a little shit and like cut class and like broke the rules, and his mom would make it all go away with a checkbook. Yeah, so he hit on his physics teacher because he figured that would cause the most 
chaos or whatever. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And the one really crazy thing I knew would cause the maximum amount of trouble was hitting on his physics teacher. And he's like, he's very attractive in an intellectual cougar sort of way. And Arya's like, did it work? And he says, academic suspension and an irate husband. That's why I'm hiding here. I and Arya, speaking for the audience, says, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I just wrote my notes. This is all bullshit. Oh, it gets the bullshit. It intensifies because he says, "Before Ezra, my family was predict as predictable as the tides. One day, Ezra just had enough and walked out. Like, wow, that's so brave of you, Ezra. You know." Well, uh, and he says, is- "My mom hurled lightning bolts, but he survived. More importantly, he found you." Arya starts. This is just like Arya just starts like masturbating. You know, yeah, she he, he found you and said, "That's who I want." You're the most amazing part of this. You're so fucking special, Arya. You're so fucking special. That's why my mother hates you. And Arya's like, why? And he's like, because you're unexpected. So. Barf. And then at this point, Arya ascends up to heaven <laughs> and sits at the right hand where she passes, like, judgment over the living and dead. Yeah. I mean, Arya, she's totally eating this shit up. Well, and she, she does this little, like, kind of, like, who me, like, shrug and eyelash bat. Like, Jesus Christ. Well, then for a brief moment, I think she looks concerned. A brief moment, yeah. yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe I, just concerned because she wants to have sex with Ezra's brother now. Yeah, while he compliments her. <laughs> uh, what fucking horseshit. You're just so amazing and unexpected. <laughs> What's funny is that both Wes, Ezra, and Ezra's mom can hurl these insults that boost Arya's ego. Because remember, again, the mysterious like, girl with a lyrical name. Didn't Jason also call Arya unexpected? I think he may have. I'm sure Jason wasn't very eloquent, though. No, but that that's like Arya's oh, unexpected. Uh, the pink stripe? That's yeah. That's not what everyone expected? Yeah. Yeah, Arya, she's so fucking unexpected. <sighs> Alright. Caleb and Hannah, back at Cass and Marin. Oh. Uh, yeah, he sets his box of shit down. He says, you know, this is a, this is a day Waste shot. of a fucking day, yeah. Um, she thought it'd be good to reconnect with his family, blah, blah. He's like, silence your inner Oprah. Yeah, and she's like, well, your uncle is nice. And Caleb's like, yeah, I bet they're all real nice until they shit me off. Yeah. And Hannah says, you could have asked them why they did that. And Caleb's like, yeah, some things are better off not knowing. And besides, it wasn't Jamie's call. And then Hannah kind of... Caleb goes to get like something out of the fridge, and Hannah debates, and then finally pulls a picture of baby Caleb out. Well, she says the classic sentence that everyone loves to hear. Yeah. If I show you something, can you promise not to get angry? And then shows him the picture, and he's like, well, where'd you get this? And she's like, Uncle Jamie. You want to make sure you didn't throw it away. And Caleb's like, well, where was it? In the shed somewhere? And Hannah's like, I don't think so. You see how these edges are all bent and worn? I think he took it from his own wallet. And Caleb's like, why would he have a picture of me in his wallet? And Hannah's like, I can think of a reason. Yeah. And Hannah's like, uh, if you look in this photo, the man handing you has this big ring on his finger, and Jamie was wearing that same ring today. And he knew you before you were five. And Caleb looks all like overcome with emotion, but then he's just like, not a chance, and, like takes off. Yeah. Blah, blah. Oh, Caleb, go, go bro down with your werewolf father. Yeah. Um, Let's get to the good stuff. Meanwhile, Dr. Sullivan's office. At the end of the day, she's packing up her shit to leave. She opens, opens up the, the door, door to leave. And in the waiting room, it's Mona! 
Mona's in a different, wonderful, like, schoolgirlish outfit mm. with, like, the headband, like, kind of not quite, but kind of pigtails, like, to each side. Uh, like, the white blouse over, or, like, white sweater over a, a blouse. Like, it's a great look. Um, she looks like, yeah, she just came out of, like, Pleasantville. Yeah, exactly. She's got a potted plant, uh, an, an orchid. orchid. And where's Mona's dialogue here? She's like, Dr. Sullivan, I was hoping I'd catch you. Because everything Mona says has, like, m- multiple meanings. Yeah. And Mona, Mona's just here to do- drop off this plant for Dr. Sullivan. It's a housewarming present for a new office. And she thanks her because she's doing so much better now. And Therapy Ann's just like, I'm glad to hear it, you know? And she, Therapy Ann's, like, shut the door behind her, kind of. And or actually, not. she hasn't shut it yet because uh, Mona starts... To. Mona's like peeking inside and like looking at the office and she's like, Oh, what a cute little space. I bet the orchid would look great over on that windowsill. Like basically, can you plant my bug right over there? Yes. That's where I'll be able to hear you the best. Yeah. And Anne's like, I'm actually going out for a few days. So I'll take it home, make sure it gets watered. And she thanks her. And, and this is where like the door is shut behind Dr. Sullivan, but Mona's like right there in front of her, you know? And Mona says, Oh, it was nothing. I could never really repay you for what you did. Innuendo. And then, bye. And Dr. Sullivan watches her go. And even Dr. Sullivan can probably emote less than Toby. Mm-hmm. She's she's saying to herself silently, this bitch. She's saying to herself, well, I'll be out of town for a few weeks. And but I might not ever come back. What I love about this scene, though, is it's very similar to the scene there of Spencer and Mona at the locker. It's yeah. kind of the nice thing they do with Mona. Um, more so in this one because it is more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. You just assume that she has like some kind of listening device in that plant. And I think Dr. Sullivan also, because of her past experience, assumes the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you don't know that for a fact. I don't think it ever comes up. Well, so I feel like kind of fascinating. Mona's smart enough to know that this time she won't put one in there. And she is just, you know, seemingly coming off as nice just because she knows this is totally going to rattle Anne's cage, you know? Yeah. Mona probably already has the bug in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so meanwhile, in the building that has the actual A layer, that has the, the, the door that, that the, the dirtiest, goes to. dirtiest building ever. I and mean, this place looks like a heroin flop house. Which makes me feel bad when you flash back to the, uh, the A tag where the lady like leased out the oh, yeah. room to A. And it's like, that lady seemed nice that she would not, like, like she would <laughs> not be leasing out this shithole. Really? Like, you'd have, like, a, a property management office to lease out this piece of so shit? So, there's Spencer in her superhero trench coat, which, thankfully, she's wearing this, because oh. you need to wear a superhero outfit to walk down this hallway. There's um, also, like, faux offspring is playing. Is it offspring, or is it no, faux it's, offspring? No, it's faux offspring. What, what, is, what sub-basement of music? <laughs> it's a band called Boss House Music. What sub-basement of music are you described as faux offspring? Yeah. Um, she gets to the door, she puts the key in, she hesitates for a moment, then she opens the door, flips on the light. Inside, it looks like a ton of shit has been torn off the wall in a hurry. There's little, little pieces of paper hanging from like staples and thumbtacks. Uh, this is not the result Spencer wanted. The room's empty. He loves me not. A has cleared out in a hurry. And the the waterworks come out because Spencer knows what this means. She just starts crying. So, meanwhile, at the mausoleum, Hannah, Emily, and Ari are there with Jason. Jason's wearing a suit. The girl's <laughs> dressed up. Uh, oh, are they just dressed up? 
Arya is dressed like a gothic vampire in mourning. I think she might be wearing a teddy. I could be wrong, but... She is wearing an outfit that probably could be described as business casual for Stevie Nicks. I mean, it, it looks like she might have, like, some sort of teddy and skirt on with, like, a black gauzy sheer thing on top of it or something. I, like I don't even to, know what the hell's going on there. I would like to come up with, like, a numeric for how much time is spent in these recaps for us just thinking up, like, descriptive burns for Arya's fashion. Well, well mind you, this is a, some sort of funeral-ish ceremony, yeah, right? Yeah. Arya, I mean, it's like this, like, crimson red and black weird kind of busty form-fitting thing where it's like it's sheer in certain parts that so you can see like her legs underneath and and then hannah has on like a kind of like that's maybe that's leopard print maybe it's not i don't know some sort of yellow and black very short dress on with like black leggings and black jacket emily is in like a white baby doll dress and a jacket she's wearing something that the heroine wear in like a dreamlike movie i don't know yeah. like, like something you would wear if you got like stuck in a labyrinth um, I feel like, you know, for my next Kindle Worlds novel, it'll start with, like, after the next time Allison's body is stolen, <laughs> and the dealer and his family, their their only other option is basically to, like, shoot Allison's body off out of a cannon into the ocean, and I just imagine, what will Arya wear to that, that get-together? But yeah, so, they're in the mausoleum, they're surrounded by, you know, like, the, the crypts, the tombs, like, they're all, like, piled up on the walls and marble around them, names. Yeah. Um... The four of them had decided to give up on waiting for Spencer to show. Yeah, so they go to Allie's, uh, I don't even know what you call that, headstone? Grave? I don't know. Tomb thing? I don't know. It's yeah. not a tomb, I don't yeah, think. Not, but yeah. It's, her, her little slot in the wall, they go, they go there. The and thing's six feet up on the wall where they shoved her into, into the wall, yeah. Do you want to read no, Allie's epithet? There's no birthday, there's no death date, it just has her name and unable are the loved to die for love is immortality. And so, Hannah says, that's creepy. And Arya's like, ah, it's Emily Dickinson. And Hannah says, I don't care if it's Santa Claus. Consider me creeped out. Yeah. And, and even Jason, Jason has to smile at that. He's like, this place is fucking creepy. My parents only stayed for like two minutes. Oh, Hannah, you old so-and-so. So then the, the door creaks. Spencer walks in, still wearing her X-Men outfit. Oh, and, and Arya just kind of has this look like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, Jason, like... He, I, for a moment there, for like half a second, he feels victorious. He's like, Spencer, you changed your mind. And she's like, nope! <laughs> I just knew I could find you here. Also, like, if you thought she looked wrecked before, now, she looks like she might actually be dead. She looks manic, crazed, her hair is wild. She looks like jaundiced. She looks like she just came here from being electrocuted. <laughs> um... The others can tell that she's about to say something. Yeah, they're like, crazy. oh shit. Like, you look like you're on basalt center. Like, they should all be just diving on her and tackling her right now. They can't stop. They can't stop her. They won't stop her. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer says, I do have something to say. Allie was pregnant when she died. And the liar's just like, oh fuck. And yeah. Jason's just like, what? Uh, and Spencer, and Jason's <laughs> like, is this true? And Spencer says, we can't know for sure, but Emily looked it up and an early pregnancy wouldn't show up in an autopsy. Right, Em? And the liars are like, shut the fuck up. What the hell's wrong with you? And Jason's like, I want to know who, you know, who she knows. And where, where's the dialogue here? He said J he wants to know who. Yeah, I want to know how. How do you know the best, who, who could be? And she's like, who's the father? That's the best part. 
And Jason says, who, Spencer? And Hannah says, Spencer, don't. And Spencer says, I don't care. And Arya's like, don't do this. Not here, Spencer. And Spencer says, Detective Wilden, one of Rosewood's finest. During that point, though, Emily is just watching her for a moment. Like, she's Mm -hmm. horrified that Spencer's gone this far, but she doesn't say anything. And it's almost as if, as much as she hates it, she recognizes that Spencer has to, like, burn this particular mm-hmm. tendril that, that like clings her to the world um yeah. yeah jason just you know gets this information grits walks like rocks off without a word um and so hannah's like please tell me this is part of some brilliant spencer plan and emily this is when emily speaks it's not she's hurting and she wants us to hurt just as bad aria says we're your friends we're not your punching bags and then all the liars kind of storm out emily laughs kind of glaring at you know after the other liars yeah and spencer just stays inside like fuck this you know yeah she kind of looks at allison's thing um outside hannah and ari and emily are, are walking hannah and ari are talking at first hannah wants to know how do they fix this what do they tell jason ari is more concerned like what they do now about spencer well she's like forget jason there's something really wrong with spencer i just noticed that because she looks like she's on all the drugs yeah uh, and um, she says, I mean, this is bigger than to- Toby leaving. I mean, I'm heartbroken too, but she just seems, and Emily says, broken. Yeah. It's one thing for to doubt the person you're with, if they ever loved you, if they didn't. It's something else entirely when you start to doubt yourself. Emily knows this because she is Spencer. Well, and the fact that they're two, what they're both going through, mm-hmm. like in the way that Emily's just basically summed up their, you know, A and B stories or whatever for this episode is, is so like, effortlessly well, well done, I think. You could make an argument in the television about reca- television about pity recap does that uh, the whole theme of this episode is all kind of dealing with loss. You know, Arya's yeah. lost Ezra. Hannah is helping Caleb deal with the loss of his dad. Emily has lost Allie and Spencer has lost Toby. But I mean, Emily is the one who had to deal with the fact that the person she loved never really mm-hmm. loved her. Uh, Spencer is now the one stuck with doubting herself. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, but all this has has started to cue another flash. Oh, well, okay, there's sprinklers. On. Sprinklers come on out in the cemetery, and Emily starts to fugue, and she's just like, "Sprinklers, you hear that?" And then flashback. Well, someone, one of her friends, actually says, "What the sprinklers?" Mm-hmm. And then she realizes that she heard it. That night, that night too. Yeah, so that night that Allie's grave was stuck out. So we get Emily's voiceover saying, "I heard it that night, not in Allie's yard at her grave. I mixed up the nightmares." And then Emily from that night is watching as an A like jumps in the hole uh, that the, from that they dug up. You the know, hole's and, dug up, but the coffin is still in yeah. there, sealed. It jumps in the hole with a crowbar to like open up the coffin. And, and Emily, I, I thought this was a nice touch because Emily's repeating all the dialogue that Allie had in her first like kind of nightmare flashback. Yeah. Emily's saying, we shouldn't be here. This is bad. We shouldn't be doing this. You have to stop. What do you think you're doing? You can't do this. Stop, stop. You know, it's, it's, I thought that was a really great touch. It was the same dialogue and that Allie had. The whole had. time she is holding the shovel. Yeah. Just as she was, was in the, the first version. Um, Finally, A gets out and, like, grabs her mouth and, like, shut her the fuck up. Because she's screaming, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that Emily in voiceover says, the girl, the girl in the red coat. Because Emily in the flashback is, she's being, you know, kind of muzzled by A, but she's looking up and she sees someone in a blonde in a red coat kind of, like, watching from the, 
like the edge of the clearing of the cemetery. Yeah, ways away. And then like kind of walks off, turns and walks off when Emily looks up. And so Emily's just like the girl in the red coat, you know, and then present day, Emily's just like, it all happened right here. Uh, you know, I didn't hurt her. And they're like, what? You didn't hurt who, Allison? Yeah, she's not sure if this point that she's just remembered was before or after Nolan Jenna picked her up that night. Um, Hannah has something to ridic- ridiculous to ask. Mm-hmm. What if it was Allison? To which Arya says, Allison digging up her own grave? And Hannah's like, I said it was ridiculous. And Arya's like, and you were right. <laughs> Shut it down, Hannah. That's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> and Emily says, all I know is that it was a woman. She was blonde and she's wearing a red coat. And she's the one in charge. Yeah. So, Meanwhile, Emily, Emily is finally fugued out enough to recall that there was a, a red coat, if you will, that was overseeing the operation to dig Allie's body up. This red coat is the leader of the A's. So back in the mausoleum, Spencer walks over to the what's called headstone yeah. of one Marion Cavanaugh, who was Toby's, as the thing tells us, loving mother. She sees those hydrangeas are there. Mm-hmm. That's the $65 worth of hydrangeas. That's why he bought them. Yeah. Solve that mystery, Spencer. <laughs> so she pulls the A key out of her pocket. Well, this is, this is the most fucked up thing Spencer's ever done, I think. So far. Yeah, so far. She pulls the A key out as she sees this. And she scratches the name Toby into the marble of this headstone. Because Toby is now dead to her, as the title suggests. Yeah. I mean, wow. It's like... Yeah, he may have betrayed you, but, like, dude, you just defiled a person's grave. And she's, like, crying and looking insane as she does this, you know. But uh, the the beauty of the Dark Spencer saga, too, is as much as you want to grab Spencer and stop her from going down this path, or stop it from even happening in the first place, mm-hmm. you're also kind of rooting her on. Because, again, A is for audience. Like, you kind of want to see, like, what is down this dark, fucked up rabbit hole? Well, it's like, because we already thought she was crazy. So what is she going to do now? Yeah. The Dark Spencer saga continues. Yeah, so first Self-destructive get, as fuck. First we get the A-tag. Yeah, it's like at a liquor store. It's like a's, weird liquor store. A's getting some whiskey. And we hear somebody call from the back. They say, hey, make sure you check their ID. And then they say... We'll leave the rest of the order on the loading dock. So apparently there's like a big order being placed here. Yeah. And A kind of grabs some hard candy from the desk on the counter and pulls out their wallet to get their ID out. A has a chain wallet, like they're from 1997. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like they're from 1997, they listen to Faux Offspring. Um, exactly. They, uh, it's, it's a beautiful shot too. Just like whenever like A starts to turn, you almost like see under the hood. You're, yeah. You see the grabbing of what says identification card or whatever. It's like a Pennsylvania. It's a Pennsylvania driver's license. Yeah, and then then the episode ends. But it's it's a nice little tease. It's he's an alcoholic, quite possibly. Ordering quite a lot of uh, some serious scotch there. Actually, it's whiskey, but Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Yeah. And so that was dead to me. Fun uh, episode. Uh, just to make it better, just to tease you, the next episode is called "What Becomes of the Broken Hearted." I love that. You know that I do like that song. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, and it's it's a uh, perfectly on the nose in in the tiling of it. You know what does become of the broken hearted like Spencer? See, this is why, and you and I, we have different opinions on like Lost, like which seasons of Lost are the best, um, which like season finales are the best, but. Um, 
I know you are very, very partial to season two of PLL, but I absolutely adore season three. I think it's season three is a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's, it's so, and this episode is indicative. It's so expertly put together. I think so much gets paid off. So many things that they've set up or, and I don't even know if they were like heading to this point, but it's nice mm-hmm. that they can, can tie it all together, you know, and not just like in a, uh, up ne- necessary to the plot fashion. Like they're really true to, things that emily and spencer's characters are going through yeah well it's it's like you always wondered when spencer was going to crack yeah because she's she's always wrong about i mean she she's the smartest of the liars she always finds some new clues and yet she's always wrong every time she suspects something right and sooner or later between that and like her insane family she was going to crack and she finally is yeah she just it's like a a found like the perfect shatter point for her it's like oh yeah I'll bet I know how I can make you completely lose your mind. Mm-hmm. Well, like the Joker tells uh, uh, Batman in, in The Killing Joke, all you need is one bad day. Exactly. Spencer's <laughs> had a lot of bad days. Just a little push. Um, yeah. So that's it. Um, by the way, thanks to Will and Evan who left us comments on our website page. Glad to hear you like the show. If you do want to leave a comment or feedback for us, you can find us on timetrialmurdermystery.com slash PLL. Yep. Uh, also on Twitter, I'm at Benjamin underscore light. And what are you? Marcus Marks. At Marcus Marks, no underscore. Nope. Uh, also, if you like the podcast, uh, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. We dream of one day being ranked higher than the PLL podcast. It has like three episodes and has never been updated again for three years. We can't expect to overtake the actual abc family podcast because even though it, it hasn't updated since season one but uh all the rest of the uh, pll podcasts let's, let's call them what they are bullshit well there's the after buzz one i think the pro i've listened to that one i think a lot of the reviews are fairly accurate and that it seems like the the host of that show I don't watch a show very much or don't watch it very attentively. So oh, and also, we try to think, bring you a certain level of detail on our podcast here. But also, know? our podcast isn't solely relegated to, like, here's such and such character. I don't trust them. <laughs> Sick and oh, my God. I don't trust you don't Ezra. Trust. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just want to say real quick, too. Dead to Me was written by Joseph Doherty. And do you know how to pronounce this woman's name? Oh, I'm on the next page. Uh, Baris, Laya Barrage. Yeah, um, who's written a, two episodes, including the Con Game, which is one of my favorite episodes. I'm so, I'm so sorry that I did not credit you properly, say your name, pronounce your name right, because you've written two of my favorite episodes of PLL here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just an excellent episode. So looking forward to next week. Indeed, dead to me. Next week. What becomes of the brokenhearted? We'll find out. Until then, enjoy this techno music. Bye-bye.